by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Some of these poor fellows at the Warrior Center got me out on the basketball court and they, they said, what in the world just happened here? We thought he was an old man. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I am competitive. I, I grew up competitive. Me and my brother, we would we would compete at anything. Darts, basketball, bowling, horseshoes, everything went down to the wire. You know, he had all the natural ability and hand-eye coordination, and I had a determination not to let him win. <laughs> I didn't have the natural gifts, but I... I I, I stuck with it more. I concentrated more. And we usually went head to head. Even as we got older and got our own families and stuff, he was blonde-headed. We looked just alike, but I'm, I'm brown-headed. And so we called his family, all of them come out blondes. We called them the blondes, and we were the brownheads. And so there was always competition between the family. We would get together, and everything had a championship belt. <laughs> you know what I mean? We didn't ha- actually have a physically have a belt, but we'd play a game of basketball, and it'd be for the belt. You know, and, and whatever family walked away, the brownheads got the belt, or individ- there was individual belts. Whatever the competition was, we were playing for the belt. I remember one time in particular, me and my brother Heath, I think it was last year, to be honest, we were playing golf. And uh, we were playing golf, and typically, because of his eye-hand coordination advantage, he beats me in golf. That's not one of my better sports. I may be a, a bogey golfer, you know. I'm always one over par. And he can do a little bit better than that typically. So he's usually wearing the belt. But this particular day, he put the belt on the line, and I was just having the day of all days. The best I ever shot was back in high school. One time I shot a par, you know. We're talking, we're talking nine holes. We're too old to play 18. But on nine holes, I shot a par, you know. But today... It was no bogeys, man. I was par, birdie, par, 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 birdie. I was like, what? And, and Heath was just shooting normal good, but it wasn't as good as what I was doing. And I was really excited about, about, about a seventh or eighth hole. You know, I had like a seven or eight stroke advantage, and I knew I was fixing to walk away with the belt. And that's when Heath did something I can't forget. But I'll tell you about it later. We got to get into our message. Is it wrong that I always want to give my best? Is it wrong that I hate to lose? Because I want to set a good example as a pastor, you know. I don't want to be leading you in the wrong direction. But I got a desire. There's, some, there's something. That I think God, the, the Bible says the Lord is a warrior. And I think he puts it in the heart of men to succeed. I don't think he's pleased when men or women are just kind of floating through life and not giving their best. So is that wrong? That's the kind of questions we're going to ask today. Now, I know it's probably wrong if I can't be happy unless I'm winning. And you may have, no, nobody's ever beat me from here. 
But, but if, you, if you ever knew somebody that was ahead of me for a while, you'd know I wasn't happy about it. And when things aren't, we aren't winning, I have a tendency to go into a, a sulk. Yeah, that's a good word. Thank you. <laughs> Turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Say, God is good all the time. God is good. All right, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. So what I'm trying to explain today is I've lived most of my life kind of high strung. But Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. You know what anxious is. Uh-oh. It ain't going my way. What if I lose? What if, what if it doesn't work out? And we're bringing tomorrow's worries and cares into today. And the Bible says tomorrow to take care of itself. We got enough worries for today. So he's trying to tell his people, y'all calm down. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then this verse that we often quote, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Man, Paul's got it all together. He just he's so happy, he just want to punch the fellow, you know. He's just... Especially when you realize he wrote this from a jail cell. Could you be in a jail cell without being a little anxious? Oh, I've got the peace of God. Well, according to this, you could be. He goes on down in verse 11, if you'll skip down a little bit. He said, not that I was ever in need, for I learned how to be content with whatever I have. Say content. Content. What does that mean? I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ, say through Christ, who gives me strength. That means you can refuse to be angry, angry, Refuse to be anxious, refuse to be upset. How? Through Christ. And what's the word that we're looking for that balances all this out? Content. What did he say? Learned how to be content. See, some of y'all are just getting anxious right now, <laughs> ain't you? Aren't you? Can't stand to pause. We're anxious. Be content. I'm going to get you out by 12. <laughs> no, don't let me make promises I can't keep. Man, we're living in a whacked out society, a stressed out society. 
We're living in a world that's in turmoil, in civil war in parts of the... In halfway across the world, some guy is living in a mud hut and is totally grateful for his little mud hut, and he's happy. But over here, we got people wanting to, I, I need to get some therapy because the Wi-Fi has gone out on their smart refrigerator. Do we really need smart refrigerators? I've told y'all so many times, but it, it's just, it, I learned so much from this. For 18 years before I became pastor, I worked at a place called Power and Telephone Supply. And I sold cable TV supplies from a little four-by-four four cubicle. And I got saved about two years in while I was working there. And all of a sudden... You know, being this go-getter, this racehorse that I am, I felt like I was pinned in. I was like, God, I want to do something great for you. I don't think selling cable TV supplies qualifies. And I could not be happy. You could say I was discontent. Oh, boy, was I discontent. You ask any of my managers, you ask any of the people that sat in the cubicles next to me, the words that would come out of my mouth. Here I was Christian, complaining, fighting every system that the management would try to bring down. It was horrible. You say, Pastor, that was you? Oh, yeah. And it went on and on, and I fought, and I fought just like a, a stallion that was held down, and I was not going to be broke. But after about 16, 17 years, I was finally broke. God broke me. And I finally said, God, I wanted to do something great for you. I felt like it was more in me than selling cable TV supplies. Not that, not that if you sell cable TV supplies, that's, that's what I was understanding. All those years that I had spent there, if I would have been content and I would have let God grow me up, if he, I, could, I could have used those years to win that whole office to the Lord. Instead, I wasn't content with my Christianity. I wasn't content with, with the growth process that God had. And he had, it took me a long time to grow up, at least to the point where I said, God, I throw my hands up. If you want me to be in this cubicle the rest of my life, I'm going to be a happy employee. I'm going to help my manager. I'm just going to be godly where I am. I don't have to wait to, to be something. I'm just going to be what you, what, whatever you want. I got broke. Isn't that what the Bible says? The meek shall inherit the earth. Meek means broke. That's what they used to put. They used to put a meek in the, in the mouths of horses to, to break them so that they, they could have control and, and they would go whichever way the rider wanted to go. And see, God couldn't use me because I wanted to go where I wanted to go. And I wasn't with the process that God wanted to work out in me. And then supernaturally, about a year after I got a revelation and started actually doing it every day, I ended up being the pastor of this church that I'd gotten saved in. I don't know how, I, how that worked out. That was all God. Didn't see it coming. Didn't know it was going to happen, but that's what happened. So what did I do when I became pastor? I brought some more of that discontent into my life. 
Well, we've been in this little bitty church all this time. I think that's why we're not growing. We got to get a building. We got to do this. We got to do that. And I started trying to make things happen again. And I want you to know, I can't make it happen. I've been here, what, six years now as pastor. I have tried, but God has broken another level off of me. And I cannot make it happen. And neither do I want to. I don't want it to be me. It'll have to be the Lord. Have we, have we even learned to be grateful for the facility that we have? We complain about this place, but it's got heat and air and, and cushiony seats. It's really a nice place. It may not be as big as we want, but have we really filled it up yet? I wrote this sometimes. God often withholds our blessing if it becomes a requirement for our joy. Maybe some people are not walking in the blessing that God wants right now because you see that blessing as a requirement for your joy. You can't be happy till I get this. And God's like, well, you ain't going to get this until you learn to be happy where you are. Else we'll drag that same old discontent into our next challenge in life. See, God's not so concerned about our comfort as he is our character. Y'all have heard that. He's doing something in us. We need to get with his work and not trying to do our own thing. The challenge is to have contentment. And I want it now. No. The challenge is to grow contentment in your life. That's when God can really work. That's when you really realize it's not I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. That's when we start giving God the glory. That's where we give him the reins. Not that you don't give your best. But you just know, are you content? Most of us will say, I am when things go my way. <laughs> we get joy and happiness confused. You know, the world, they want to be happy. But happy requires circumstances. Oh, if, if we can get off work on Saturday, we can go to the lake. If it doesn't rain, and if we catch a lot of fish, we'll have fun. We'll be happy. But it could rain, and you not get off work. And you ain't been fishing in six months, but you can still have the joy of the Lord. See, the joy isn't manipulated. It's not conditional. The, the joy of the Lord will sustain you through your hardest times. If you're looking for happiness to do that, you don't have any happiness in the hard times. But the joy of the Lord is your strength, and the joy of the Lord will remain. And that's what I'm trying to get you to understand. If we're going to walk out this marathon life of Christianity, we're going to have to learn to get some joy in our journey. We're going to have to get some things straight, and we're going to have to have contentment even when we're longing for more. Isn't that what he says? I've learned to be full, but I've also learned to be hungry. It's okay to be hungry, but you need to be content. There was a poll of 
people, oh, I told you this a long time. I repeat myself. The more I pastor, I see. But uh, they they polled people over different income ranges, whether they were making ten thousand dollars a year or ten million dollars a year. They ask them, how much more would you need to be satisfied? And across the board, whether they were rich or poor. The typical answer was, if I had 15% more, I know I'd be good. Discontentment. They always have to have more to be happy. 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, yet true godliness with contentment is great gain. See, I'm telling you how to get great gain right now. I'm telling you, you begin to look at your situation that you have right now with different eyes, you will gain great godliness, contentment, and and true wealth. Your little mud hut can, can make you perfectly happy if you give God glory for it. Not that you need to stay there forever, but you you got to have the right attitude to reach the right altitude. Boy, I'm using a lot of old cliches today. I don't know. <laughs> Discontentment is a sign of ungodliness. And I'm preaching to myself because I struggle with this. Discontentment is a sign of ungodliness and it's disrespect to God. It displays that you're ungrateful unthankful, maybe you're covetous, you're wanting stuff that's not yours, and most likely, if you feel that way, you're a complainer. Those are not godly traits. That's not the way Christians are to be viewed at their workplace. I should know. And you parents of a teenager who all they have is an iPhone 8, y'all can feel me right now. I don't have three cameras, Mama. Everybody else does. Now, how does that make you feel when you bought them an iPhone 8 and they're not happy till they get an iPhone 10? Or is it 11 now? Is it 11? iPhone, Apple is making a living off of discontentment in American society. Bill? <laughs> Oh, did I call you out by name? No, just kidding. I just had to get, I had to get some of the pressure off of me, Bill. He's content with five Jeeps. Four of them in the shop. No, just kidding. Seasons. Say Seasons. We have to understand that life is a series of ebbs and flows, mountains and valleys. There are seasons. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says, For everything there is a season and a time for every activity under heaven. Should a kid hate his childhood because he's not grown yet, he can't drive a car, he doesn't have a house yet? Should a kid just say, well, I can't be happy? Well, we know when we were kids, we were always wanting to grow up too fast. And what did they tell us? Our parents said, relax, kids, slow your roll. Enjoy it. And the same thing in our Christianity. When I was a baby Christian, if you'd asked me, I said, oh, I'm ready to save the world. 
But God was like, slow your roll. Let me work some character in you before we put you in a place that you can't maintain. Right? God is the source of all contentment. We've been talking about Peter a lot. We talked about how Peter was restored after he denied Christ on the banks of the lake and he swam to Jesus and all. Then after they ate, he had been restored. Jesus gets up and begins to walk and Peter begins to walk right there with Jesus, you know. And then he looks back and he sees John following. He said, Jesus, what, what, what about him? And Jesus said, if I want him to remain till I come back, what is that to you? You follow me. And see, a lot of us can't be content if our kids ain't following the Lord yet. A lot of us are looking at everybody else. Well, I can't be content because of their situation. But Jesus would say to you, what is that to you? You follow me. The disciples were arguing amongst themselves about who was going to be the greatest. Jesus brought a little kid and sat him among us among them and said unless you become like a little child you'll not even see the kingdom of God little children ain't worried about the bills getting paid they just trust they have childlike faith the disciples asked Jesus one time Jesus when is all these things going to come to pass when are you when is you going to set up your kingdom what Jesus say he said, that's not for you to know. He said, in, in fact, I don't even know. Isn't that a staggering thought that Jesus didn't know? It's in the Father's hands. Did you see Jesus biting his fingernails? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but he said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, look, you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You follow me and you have a childlike attitude knowing that I'm leading you where I'm leading you. That you ain't got to be the boss. You ain't got to be out front. You follow me. Moses was speaking to God in the burning bush. He said, I can't do it, God. I, I stutter. I stutter. I, I'm not even a good speaker. And I can feel how he feels. <laughs> and But what did God say? I will be with you. That's all you need to know. That is all you need to know. That alleviates all your worries, all your cares about today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Because if God be with you and he be for you, who can be against you? Anxiousness is another sign of ungodliness. Discontent. We need to know in whom we have believed. And I tell you, I am not for a moment trying to say, Okay, well, we're all just supposed to be couch potatoes and wait for Jesus to come back because it, it's it, either he does it or it doesn't get, the, doesn't get done. No, 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 no. 
because of who he is, because we have this confidence, because we have this assurity, then we should live extra extraordinary lives. We should be go-getters, dreamers. We should do more. We're goal achievers, vision-oriented. We're whole hog, planet-shaking, devil-thumping kingdom builders because we know in whom we have believed. We know it's not us, but we want to be part. It frees us. we got to mix in some patience, this contentment. We've got to have joy for the journey, else we'll grow weary in this long haul. And when things don't go our way, we'll quit. See, that's the way we, we move into our Christianity with all the answers. We're large and in charge. We're on the throne of this Christian thing. And then when things don't go, well, I tried Christianity. I even served on the board. I did this. I did that. But then people got, they, we, it didn't work out. And I'm not doing that no more. And we quit because our expectations weren't met. We were discontent. We need to work on walking in step with Jesus. Aren't you ready to get off that roller coaster? Emotional highs, emotional lows. That doesn't sound like the peace of God that passes all understanding that keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. That sounds like there's too much of you in it. God's not in a hurry like most of us. You know, Moses was 80 years old when he saw that burning bush before he started his ministry. He said, I'm going to send you to set my people free. Do you know his people had been in bondage for 400 years before he sent Moses? I think his timetable is a little bit different than ours. We can't make things happen. You can stare at that Red Sea all day and you can dip your stick in it all you want, but until the power of God and the timing of God hits, it's not going to part for you. So are you going to be discontent and unhappy until you get your way like a little four-year-old? Well, I... Please understand I'm preaching to myself because I guarantee you there ain't a person in here that struggles with this more than me because I am a go-getter. I am a wanting to win. I am always pushing myself. But God is breaking me, and I'm trying to use what I am learning to teach you so that we can last, so we're not a shooting star that burns out after a little bit. Life is a marathon for most of us, not a sprint. We have to set a pace. And we have to run with Jesus. It's written that discontentment makes rich men poor. And contentment makes poor men rich. Isn't that beautiful? James chapter 4 verse 2. It says, 
You want what you don't have. So you scheme. And you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have. But you can't get it, so you fight. And you wage war. And you try to figure out how to take it from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. See, discontentment leads you to to all kind of evil schemes and plans. Do you know Moses, when he was 40 years old, he saw the suffering of his people, the Hebrews. He was born in Pharaoh's house and he was uh, you know, raised in an Egyptian house, but he saw his people being treated as slaves and he wanted to do something. That's a good desire to want to help his people who were enslaved. But he didn't wait to hear from God. He went out and he killed an Egyptian. He killed to get it. He worked in his own natural strength to get it. And in this flesh, I can produce nothing significant, nothing good. He didn't wait on God, so he had to run from his past. He had to leave, flee Egypt, and he lived out in the deserts of Midian for another 40 years. Can you imagine what he was thinking for 40 years out there in the middle of the wilderness watching a bunch of, the times he had to think, and I I can, it's probably like my cubicle experience. He wrestled with himself. He probably got broken. I'm sure he did. He was broken out in that wilderness. Thinking my life ain't ever going to do nothing. See, when you come to the end of yourself, that's when you begin your journey with God. When he was finally through with self, God met him in the burning bush and says, I will be with you. I am your strength. You can't do this apart from God. And ultimately, God is the goal. Say that. God is the goal. He's the prize. He himself is the prize. See, we we make our own plans and, and plot our own directions, and then we ask God, could you please bless this mess that I'm about to endeavor on? Can you, can you follow my plans, God? Can you bless what I want to do? That's not how you follow the Lord. And you'll end up farther away from God than you began. And you may think that you're doing it for God. God, I want to show you how great I am. And you take off in this direction. You start this new ministry. But God said, I never ordained that. I never asked you to do that. That's going in the wrong direction. And maybe you come through those doors today, I don't know. And you're thinking, well, I didn't even want to serve God. I just headed off in that direction for my own pleasure. And, and now I'm so far from God, I don't know how I got here. And I certainly don't know how to get back to God. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I'm just reaching out and hoping that God would have mercy on me. You, I got one word for you today. Relax. Your destination was never a place. It's a person. 
Your destination is Christ and Christ's likeness in your life. Fulfillment doesn't come by impressing Christ, but by pressing into Christ. Your connection with the vine is what produces fruit in your life. Relax. He's never left you. You left him, but he's still there. Simply say, I'm sorry. Here I am, God. This time we're going to do it your way. And we're going to be happy and have joy in the journey. We're not going to put so much pressure on my performance. It's never been about your performance. And, and we're going to enjoy the now. Because life is in the now. You don't live in the future. And you don't live in the past. You live in the right now. It's not when you graduate. It's not when you get this big house. It's not when you attain these certain goals or achieve this or that. Or when you have a certain amount of money in the bank, your life is right now. And it would be good if we saw this as the good old days. I'm living in the good old days. One day we will look back and say, do you remember when we was in that little building over there behind the Starbucks? Those were the good old days. We're living in the good old days. I'm trying to help you have joy in the journey. Be a dreamer. Be a doer. Be a winner. Seek to, to overcome, but do it in Christ. I told you I'd tell you the rest of that story. So I was ahead by what? Seven or eight strokes with two or three holes left, you know. I had this in the bag. I was already about to strap that championship belt on. And then something really strange happened. The next hole, I hit a long drive right down the middle. Heath kind of flared his off. We got down there, and he just picked up his ball and started caddying for me. I mean, I mean, in the sense that not he was carrying my bags. We had a cart, but, but he, he said, you know, I ain't having such a good day. But, guy, I think you got a chance to beat your best score ever. And so he just started walking around with me, encouraging me. You sure you want to hit eight iron there, man? It, I think that's too much. He kept me focused. All right, now don't lose your focus. You got a chance to shoot under par here today. And I'm telling you, when we got to the ninth hole and I hit that four-foot putt to shoot one under par, my best round ever, he came and he jumped on me and we, he hugged me and he signed my scorecard saying, I was a witness the day that guy shot one under par. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, that was the day that I had my best round ever. And that was the day, in my opinion, Heath had his best round ever. Because what he did is he's recognized the situation, and he found God in it. 
He said, what would God do in this situation? He found his situation. He said, what would God do? His win became God's win and vice versa. 1 Corinthians 15.10, and we're about to close, says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. Yes, he labored more abundantly. Apostle Paul gave more of his life. He gave everything to the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But yet he, he knew that it's not I, but, the, but I am what I am by the grace of God. My worth is in Him. My ability is found in Him. Everything that I am is in Christ Jesus. And He was able to endure hardships and pain and suffering. Stoned, left for dead, shipwrecked, left out in the sea. All these things. Being in the jailhouse at midnight, He started singing to the Lord. See, that doesn't come unless you've got a heart settled and content in the things of God. You know, I never see in the Bible one time Jesus biting his fingernails. He didn't start his earthly ministry until ministry he was 30 years old. Can you imagine being the son of God? God, when are we going to start? I'm 26 years old. Now I know I'm ready. Let me do a miracle. Come on, I, I'm, you sent me to save the whole world and I only got 33 years to do it and I'm 29 now. When are we going to get started? But I didn't see that. I didn't see him get upset when his mama made him waste his first miracle on some wine. I'm just kidding about that, don't boy. I, he can't be pastor after that. <laughs> I joke. John chapter 5, verse 19. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. Wait, what? Jesus, the son of God, can do nothing by himself? He does only what he sees the Father doing. And whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Can you say faith? It takes faith to trust that God has got this. I can be happy in the process. And I'm just going to walk with him every step of the way. Say, I am what I am. By the grace of God. You whole hog, planet-shaking, devil-thumping, kingdom-builder, you. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.